Waters Church, how we doing? Man, so glad to be with you. If I've never met you before, my name is Jared. I serve as the lead pastor of One Life Church in Phoenix, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. We are one church in two locations, and we're now making plans to launch a third location in the next few months. And I just gotta tell you, um, the reason um, that we're doing what we're doing is because we've learned from Pastor Tim and from Waters Church each and every week because we have family that now attends Waters Church. Um, I pull online and just to see what God is doing around here is absolutely amazing. And not just here at North Attleboro, but obviously at every single location, our TV audience. Come on, church family, let's welcome all of them to this moment right now. Glad you're here. So glad. So 10 years ago, my wife is from Cranston, Rhode Island. Anybody else from Cranston, Rhode Island? Um, this is your moment to cheer for Cranston. It's like the only moment you're ever gonna have. Um, Cranston, Rhode Island. And so 10 years ago, we were here visiting family, and we just pulled up great churches in New England, and Waters Church popped up, and we were in the older building and walked in from the very first moment. I met, met Pastor Tim, Pastor Shane, the staff, the team, blown away by all that God is doing. And now we have family that attend here, our faithful server, small group leaders. Um, and you all know this, or maybe you don't know it, so let me remind you that great ministry just doesn't happen um, by chance. Incredible leadership. For a gospel movement to go forward, it takes incredible leadership. And how many of you know that you have some of the best leaders, and Pastor Tim, and Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Shane, the staff, yeah, we should honor them. Absolutely amazing. Um, if you are brand new, don't hold this weekend against Waters Church. Come back next week as Pastor Tim begins a brand new series. Um, but if you've been here a long time, you know the drill. Take out your worship guide, waterschurch.guide for the digital bulletin. And today, I want you to take some notes as we dive into God's word together. Um, I wanna also just introduce my family just so you realize that I'm a normal person. They're gonna throw a picture up of my crew, my wife, Amanda, and we have three little kids, an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an eight-year-old, and it is the absolute best time of our life. And let me just say one more thing to all of you here in New England. Like, thanks for letting us come visit you. It is 114 degrees today in Phoenix, Arizona, and so we are so glad to be out of the heat and enjoying the weather here in, in New England. Hey, if you have your sermon notes out, get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter seven. We're gonna dive and look at a very familiar passage of scripture. But let me, let me set this passage of scripture up for you. I think it'll be helpful. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, this is the tail end of the greatest sermon that's ever been preached of all time. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's when 2,000 years ago, Jesus climbed up on a hillside and he has his disciples there and some followers and he begins to download or unload on them a new way of thinking. Up to that point, it was all the Old Testament. In fact, a constant refrain in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but now I say to you. He's bringing in a new way, a ushering in the kingdom of heaven. So the Sermon on the Mount, which is, by the way, the original masterclass. You ever been to masterclass.com? You can literally take a class on anything by anyone. If today you wanna cook a world-class omelet, go to masterclass.com, pay $10, and Chef Gordon Ramsay will teach you how to make an omelet. You ever wonder one for political office? Pay $10, 
Karl Rove or David Axelrod, depending upon your political slant, will teach you how to run a successful campaign. It's masterclass. Well, Jesus taught the original masterclass 2,000 years ago, and here's what he's doing. He's not giving just a bunch of information for us just to absorb and to learn. And he's not trying to correct a bunch of bad behavior. Now, those things are really important and they have their place. But what Jesus is drilling in on, and he's actually highlighting, uh, you've heard it said, but now I say to you, he's more worried about the condition of our heart than a bunch of outward behavior. And he's teaching us to now look through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying this is the way it could be. When it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your marriages, when it comes to your anger, when it comes to divorce, when it comes to how you parent, this is how it could be, this is how it should be, and ultimately, by God's grace, when he returns, this is the way it will be, but until then, I want you to look through your life through these kingdom lenses. Ever played virtual reality? A couple of weeks ago, we were at some friend's house, and my 10-year-old son says, and they had a bunch of headsets, he goes, Dad, I wanna play virtual reality, so he puts it on, and my 10-year-old boy is acting like a fool. He has these virtual reality goggles on, and he's chasing around bad guys, or whatever he was chasing around, knocking into furniture. He's totally lost in this virtual reality. And I'm making fun of him, I'm videoing him, and he's hearing me, he goes, fine, Dad, it's your turn. So I put the headset on, and the next thing I know, I'm completely lost, and I'm banging into their furniture, and I'm chasing bad guys all around their house, and they're videoing me, and I'm not gonna show you that because that's super incriminating, but I get lost in this virtual reality. This is what Jesus is doing. He's putting on these goggles, these, these um, kingdom of heaven lenses, and he's telling us, I want you now to view everything that you do. You've always viewed it this way, but I have a new way for you to view it through the kingdom of heaven. So he talks about marriage, he talks about divorce, he talks about anger and lust and all these things. But then last week, Pastor Chris actually preached the passage of scripture that I have the pleasure of teaching today. Jesus gives a warning, it's a sobering teaching. And he looks at the followers that are around him and he says, many of you on the last day will say, Lord, Lord, we should enter the kingdom, but Jesus says, many of you won't. Because you thought it was a bunch of outward behavior and you missed the point, it's the condition, it's the condition of your heart. So after he gets done with that sobering teaching, Jesus now concludes his masterclass. It's as if in just a few moments you're gonna get it too, the keyboard player is about to come out and pad underneath the pastor. The keyboard player is in place and Jesus is landing the plane on his original masterclass. And he teaches with a story, it's a parable. And he's lifting out the spiritual truth. So here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna read this passage of scripture in its entirety and then we're gonna go back line by line and study it, study it together. So get your Bibles out, Matthew chapter seven, both locations are all locations, I should say. If you're ready for God's word, say, let's go. All right, Matthew chapter seven, here's the word of God. Jesus concludes by saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine, what are the words? It's the Sermon on the Mount, what he just got done preaching. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, puts them into practice, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but Jesus says, but it did not fall. The reason why it didn't fall is because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now pray with me every location. Holy Spirit, we now invite you here. Come and speak to us. And I pray, God, that I will overcomplicate this. All of us will open up our hearts, ears to listen, hearts to receive a word from you today. We hold nothing back, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, I grew up in the church. In fact, my dad was a Baptist pastor. My whole entire, anybody else grow up in a Baptist church? Raise your hands. Okay, after church today, we're gonna have a potluck after church just for therapy, just to remember. I, I grew up in a church, and I gotta remember this passage of scripture, Matthew chapter seven, is one of the first passages of scripture that I can never remember a Sunday school teacher teaching me, the wise man and the foolish man. And it's not just a great story, but how many of you know there's a great song that goes along with this passage of scripture? All locations, if you know it, sing along with me. It goes something like this. The, it has hand motions. The wise man built his only five of you know this. This is fantastic. The wise man built his house upon the, you gotta flex so everybody can see your muscles, the rock, and then my favorite part, and the rains came tumbling down. You know it, the rains came down and the floods went up. The rains came down and the floods went up. But the house on the rock stood firm. My favorite part is when you get to the part where it says where the house on the sand went flat and all the kids just fall out, right? Like it's poof. Now here's my fear, here's my fear. Because this is one of the earliest stories that I can remember and because of the cute song, I fear that many of us have just relegated Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 29 as a kid's story. Now, now make no mistake, it's a simple story and it's not hard to understand, but it's not simplistic. Don't make the mistake because Jesus is about to download. He is about to upload some information in a way of living, a life-changing teaching, that if we're to build our life on a solid rock, on a firm foundation, it can weather any storm that gets thrown our way. And Jesus is about to walk us through. So get your Bibles out, go back to the text. Verse 24, the first part of it, Jesus says, look again, anyone, all of us, his followers, who listen to my teaching and follows it, that person is, say it with me all locations, that person is wise. Now think about it, there are two components to this passage. Jesus says listens and follows. He doesn't use a bunch of knowledge, he uses the word wisdom. Another word for this would be the word of application. And again, I just wanna remind you that Jesus is not in this sermon, just trying to get us to understand a bunch of information. 
He's trying to get to the heart. He's trying to get to the issue. He's trying to increase us in this area of taking the Sermon on the Mount, taking what we know and actually applying it to our life. Now, a very frequent conversation that I'll have with people as I pastor. So I've been a lead pastor now for over six years. I've been in the ministry for almost 20. And a very familiar question that people will ask me, and I know why they're asking. They'll say something like, um, Jared, the Bible, the Word of God, it's, it's sometimes just so difficult to understand. It, and I kind of understand what they're saying because honestly, there are some more difficult parts of Scripture. And a big reason why people struggle is because the Bible is written in different genres. So how we read poetry is much different than how we would explain a narrative. But I do understand that there are more difficult parts of Scripture to wrap our head around than others, but oftentimes what is missed, and I'm just gonna be a, a loving guest pastor today to Waters Church. Oftentimes what is missed is that until we begin to apply what we already know about God's word, oftentimes the rest of it is not gonna make sense. It won't make sense until we begin to pr the process of application, of putting what we do know into action. I heard another pastor say this recently, we were having a good conversation, and it's so profound, and I'm gonna quote him word for word because he's probably gonna watch this later, but he said this, we cannot apply what we do not know. That's true. So we need to open up God's word. We need to read it, we need to understand it. Get in a Bible study, open up God's word. But here's what else he says. But, 2023 Christians, we can know a whole lot more than what we actually apply. And that's a sobering thought. Because of all of us just a few minutes ago who raised our hands and we grew up in a church and we're self-proclaimed church brats, we know all the Bible stories and we know even the songs, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me. Because there's so many things that I know about God's word, but yet I still haven't applied it. And I fear Christians today that we can be biblically educated beyond our level of obedience. So I'm not up here today or anytime I get on a stage anywhere, I'm never on this stage trying to unmind a bunch of Bible truths that you've never heard before. No, this is the old, old story. The Bible says there's nothing new under, under the sun. My job as a pastor is to remind you. Now the Bible is living and it's active and the Holy Spirit, every time the word of God is opened, it activates, it penetrates to the joint and to the marrow, the Bible says. So yes, every time we open up scripture, the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And aren't you thankful for that? but I'm not up here trying to reveal a bunch of new and fresh things. My job is just to remind you. My job is to point you to Jesus, to point you to the one on which you should build a solid foundation upon. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm simply up here trying to make the path clear. Because how did Jesus define deep? Well, according to this passage and others, this is how Jesus defines going deep, because people will say to me, Pastor Jared, I just love it when you go deep. And 
I sometimes like, can appreciate that because one of the ways I deeply connect with God is listening to great exegesis and great exposition of, of the Bible. But again, I think it's important that we understand what is deep. According to Matthew chapter seven and other passages, Jesus says, here is the word of God. Read it, know it, explain it, illustrate it, but then put it into practice. Know the word of God and apply it. And what does Jesus say? That is a person who's wise. Now let me talk to one more group of people that might be in the room or might be watching at a campus or online. And you might be here today and you might say, I don't know about all this. Kind of got invited, kind of just kicking the tires, testing the waters of what faith and Christianity and church is all about. And let me just tell you to keep on coming back week after week after week and allowing the word of God to be spoken over you. And here's what I predict, here's what I predict. That as the word of God, which is faithfully preached here at Waters Church, is spoken over you, one day the light is gonna come on and you're gonna see yourself for exactly who you are and you're gonna see Jesus for exactly who he is. I predict it right now. Keep coming back and watch your life be changed. Amen, everybody? Jesus says, hey, know the word of God and then put it into practice. So, here, so here's my question as we end out this point, and this goes for every follower of Jesus, is have you applied what you know? When the word of God says do it, are you doing it? When the word of God says don't do it, are you abstaining from it? Have you applied what you know? Jesus says that's wisdom, that's wisdom. Look what else. The text says, Jesus continues, the person who does this, that applies what they know, they're like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the foundation. The foundation of any building is critical. How many of you have ever built a house from the ground up? Like it was just a piece of dirt and you built something from the ground up? Okay, several of you, all locations. Here's what you know when you're building a house from scratch, is it is painstakingly long. I mean, it is excruciating how long it takes for the ground to move, for the hole to be dug, for the footing to be placed. Why does it take so long? They're getting the foundation right. Last year, our church in Arizona, we went through a massive remodel and building um, update. I was so frustrated because it seemed like day after day, week after week, even month after month, I was just looking at piles of dirt. And the general contractor would tell me, we're right on target, everything is great. Well, what are you doing? We're getting the foundation right. And as soon as the foundation was right, the cement trucks came, they poured the footings. It was amazing how quickly the steel went in the air and now we have these beautiful structures. They were getting the foundation right. Now, nobody shows up on our campus now, and I've never one time walked up to anybody's home. They invited us over for dinner. I've never walked up their driveway, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> the foundation of this house is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I love what they've done there. You know what we do? We walk up and we, we admire the architectural detail. We admire the landscaping and the lighting and I feel so inspired by looking at certain things and the paint colors and some of the furniture 
they chose. But all of you know this, none of those things would matter if the foundation was off. The foundation is the most important part of any building, and that is what Jesus is drawing into. That if you're gonna have a life that can weather any storm, your foundation has to be built on solid rock. And then he continues, because the rain is gonna come. The torrents, it's not just gonna come a little bit, it's gonna come and it's gonna be a major storm and the floodwaters are going to rise and the winds are gonna beat against that house and it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock, it's built on a solid foundation. Notice what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that if the storms of life come, Jesus is saying when the storms of life come. We live in a broken world. There is no avoiding storms, trials, pain, and tribulation. It's a part of the human experience because of sin. And some of you are like, my goodness, Pastor Jared, it's July 4th weekend, can't you be more positive? I'm positive you're gonna face storms and trials and pain in your life. There is no way that we can avoid it. And here's what Jesus is drilling in, that when your foundation is secure, regardless of the storms that come your way, you can stand strong. It's amazing to me, followers of Jesus, why we're so surprised when bad things happen. Why we're so surprised when non-believers act like non-believers. I don't get it. We should expect this. Jesus told us over and over again, in this life, you will have trouble. You will have pain. You will go through storms. Oh my goodness, I can't believe inflation. I gotta take out a second mortgage just to fill up my gas tank. Spiritually speaking aside, just look at your history books. It repeats itself every 60 years. Don't be surprised. There's pain, there's trouble, there's difficulty. Even more serious than that, it might be a completely calm in your life right now. Everything seems to be perfect. There's blue skies everywhere. But tomorrow, you might get that phone call and everything could change. You might lose your job in a storm. You might get that health report in a storm. Your teenage son and your teenage daughter, everything right now you think is completely fine, blue skies, and then something happens and there's no pain like kid pain. And you're in a storm. A couple years ago, there was these major tornadoes that came into Joplin, Missouri. There's a couple photos I'm gonna throw on the screen for you just to kind of see the damage and the wreckage of what happened. This storm, this tornado was a mile wide and it was rain wrapped so nobody could see exactly how big and broad this storm was. Here was the dilemma. It was a perfectly uh, blue sky day, um, birds singing everywhere they would go. It, it was an amazing day in Joplin, Missouri. There were storm chasers down in Kansas that saw this atmospheric pressure and they ran ahead and they told the town officials, they said, there is a major storm that's coming and it might hit Joplin, Missouri. You need to prepare, you need to send out the warning signs. It is coming your way. And they looked outside and they said, oh my goodness, it's amazing. There's certainly no storm that's coming and in just a couple of hours, the town was completely flattened. Now they live in the Midwest. It's not an issue of if storms are gonna come, it's an issue of when 
And this is not a trick question, but when is the right time to work on your foundation? Is it during a storm? Is it after? No, the time to work on your foundation is before the storms come. And this is what Jesus is saying, the Sermon on the Mount. I've taught all of this to you because you're gonna face storms in this life, and the time to work on the storm is right now, before the storms come. And if you don't, look what he says in verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't put it into practice, they're no longer wise, they're the opposite, they're foolish. They're like a person who builds a house on a sand. And when the rains and the floods come, and they will come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say that if you apply all of my teaching, um, that you're gonna have a storm-free life. <laughs> he never one time says that, he never promises us that. And honestly, even as a pastor, I'll catch myself from time to time. When I'm going through a storm, maybe it's something in our family, I'll, I'll pray a prayer and they'll say something like, oh God, just take this storm away. And that's not necessarily a bad storm because some, or a bad prayer because sometimes God does take the storm away. Sometimes he'll answer the prayer just like I think that he should and other times he won't. And you're gonna ask, well why? I don't know why. I don't know why God brings healing in some circumstances and others he doesn't. I don't know why God um, answers that prayer exactly the way that we should and, and does it in a different area. I don't know why, but maybe a better prayer to pray or a prayer in addition to take the storm away is to pray the prayer, God, give me stable feet for unstable ground. And God, would you give me the foundation that can weather the storms of life? That's the prayer that we should be praying. And here, here's what I fear followers of Jesus, that God or Jesus has given us the, the material to build the foundation. It's right here, but we're not applying it, or let me say it this way, the material is still in boxes that are yet to be unopened. And what if today we make a commitment before we walk out this room that God, we're gonna unopen the boxes and we're going to build a solid foundation? Because here's why, I want you to write this in that we are all building a life. We're all building a life. And, and maybe you've never thought of it like that before. Maybe you walked in the room and you just think, man, I'm just living my life. Hashtag live, let live, like I'm good. I'm just gonna like, whatever's thrown at me, Pastor Jared, like that's the way it's gonna be. And I'm here to tell you um, that you don't do that in any other area of your life. But let's just use the example that Jesus used, building a home. You buy a piece of property and you go to your bank and you want half a million dollars to build your dream home. And the banker looks at you and says, all right, what are your plans? Show me the architectural drawings, show me the renderings, who's your general contractor? And if you were to look at your banker and say, oh, no, 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 we're just gonna wing it. Whatever way the wind blows, we're just gonna go with it that way. You don't need to worry about it, we have it all covered. Your banker would look at you and say, you're out of your ever-loving mind they're not giving you any money. But when it comes to our life, how often do we just say, oh, we're just gonna let it go. Whatever happens, happens. We're just along for the ride. And Jesus is walking us through this idea of great intentionality. Being intentional with the one and only life that he's given us to build this foundation. 
Raise your hands if this applies to you, every location. But you would say, Pastor Jared, and I'm not shaming you, so feel free to raise your hand. I enjoy putting Ikea furniture together. Raise your hands, seriously, raise your hands. All over the stream, we had, at the first service, there was a bunch of you, okay, no, keep them up, keep them up, Don't, no shame. Waters Church, look around. These are the true spiritual heroes of your church. They, they're the closest to God, I'm convinced of it. Now, my hand is not in the air. I can't stand putting Ikea furniture together, but when we first got married, I put a lot of it together, and I would look at the 50-page manual that would fall out of that box, and all the little weird parts, and I would look at it as simply as suggestions, and I would get to the end, and there'd be tons of parts left over. This is a true story. There was a piece of furniture that my wife really, really wanted. It was a couple years ago. And she looked at it, and, and it's set in our garage, that box, for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm terrified to put this together, because she has a perfect spot for it. I started the process of putting it together. I gave up halfway through, and she had to invite other people to come in and pay to get the job done. Because I start, and it's all suggestions, and then that little table that came with 75 million pieces, I don't understand why, but it came with 75 million pieces, is wobbly, and it's not secure. Why? Because I wasn't intentional with it. And oftentimes when we come to our life, well, we're just gonna wing it. It's just a bunch of suggestions. Yeah, I know that's the word of God. I know that's the Sermon on the Mount. I know Jesus says this is the way that you should look and you should view life, put it through these lenses, but oh, it's just a suggestion. And then we wonder why our life has all, it's littered with devastation after devastation after regret after regret. Because we're not living our life on purpose and with intentionality. Not only is Jesus talking about intentionality, but Jesus is talking about urgency. Because oftentimes we'll think when it comes to these things, we'll think, oh, one day, one day I'll get serious. Once I graduate college, then, Pastor Jared, that's when I'll get serious about this stuff. You know what happens? Oh, once we get married, then I'll get serious. Once we have kids, then we'll put our kids in kids' ministry because we know it's good for them. Then we'll get serious. Oh, no, no, once we get that promotion and I get that cabin or, or I get that condo on the beach, once I make that, that, that certain amount of money, then we'll get serious. Oh, once my kids go out of high school, once we're empty nesters, once I retire, then I'll, do you see what happens? We keep punting it down the field and we never get serious. And here's the problem, this is the fear of our nation right now, and we think that we have forever. One day, we'll get serious, one day, and Jesus is saying, you don't have tomorrow. Like right now, in this very moment, I need you to get serious about the kingdom of heaven. The, the older I get, the faster time seems to fly. Now, I, I turned 40 this year. I know, shocking, right? I mean, I turned 40. I had a pastor friend, I actually think it was Pastor Tim, six years ago when we moved um, to Arizona, I think he told me, he said, enjoy every single moment because it's gonna go by so much faster than you think. And he's absolutely right. This year, we sent our two oldest kids off to preteen camp. 
How is this possible? When we moved to Arizona just six years ago, one was just starting kindergarten, the other one was still in diapers. How is this possible? Time flies, goes by so fast. A couple years ago, somebody introduced me to deathclock.com. Now, you don't need to go there right now. I mean, go this afternoon over lunch. It'll be a fun family experiment. But go to the deathclock.com and you can put in your age, um, your BMI, some health indicators. And what it does is it spits out the date you're supposed to die. It's true. There's actuaries and all this stuff. My date, I don't know if it's on the screen. My date is December 4th, 2066. So don't schedule a coffee with me that day. I obviously have plans. I'll be 83 years old. Now, before you send me an email and tell me how terrible the death clock is, um, I do not believe in the death clock. But I do believe this, that it's appointed unto every man and every woman to die. And after that, the Bible says the judgment comes. But there is something so sobering about seeing a date, and it's the reminder that you will not last forever. All we do is live our life for the here and the now, and Jesus is saying, put on the kingdom lenses, I want you to live for something that's so much greater than the here and the now. Maybe you're brand new around here and you just got done worshiping the Lord or maybe you were just watching people in worship and people have their hands in the air and they're raising and they're praising God and you might think, oh my goodness, these people, everything must be perfect in their life. Ah! Ha! We don't worship God because we have no problems. No, we're worshiping God because he's greater than our problems. And we're not living our life for the here and the now. We're living our life for the kingdom of heaven. Which is why, one of my favorite Bible verses of all time, David says this, it's Psalm 90, verse 12. He writes, teach us to realize the brevity of life, that we're here today and we can be gone tomorrow. Jesus, the half, or James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that our life is like a, like a vapor. You're not promised tomorrow. And when you understand the brevity of life or to teach us to number our days, why is that important? Here's why. So that we may grow in what? In wisdom. That's our verse again. But what's wisdom? It's to know and it's to put into practice the teachings of Jesus. It's wisdom. We are all building a life. And since we're building a life, then the next point is you have to build wisely. I just gave you the outline for that to understand the intentionality of how we do this, but also to understand the urgency. And we've talked a lot about the wise man, but there's also another man that's mentioned, and it's the foolish man. For all we know in this story, it's the same exact house that they're building. But one built on a solid foundation, the other was sandy. Every decision that we make goes through a filter. The foolish man, here's the filter, I'm gonna run through these pretty fast, but here are the questions that the foolish person always asks when making a decision. Here's the first one. They'll ask, well, how will this make me feel? If it makes me feel good, then I'll do it. If it makes me feel bad, then I won't. Was that wise? I, I say this all the time at our church. 
that as followers of Jesus, we're people of principle, that decisions lead and our feelings follow. How many of you know that your feelings will lie to you? They cannot be trusted. Well, I feel a certain way. Yeah, play that out and see how, how far that takes you. The foolish person, the filter is, well, it's all about how I feel. The second question they'll ask is, will it make me happy? And there's a gigantic difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is short-term, joy is long-term. Well, make me happy, then I'll do it. That the foolish person will ask the question, will I feel good doing it? And that is the question of today's culture and how's that working out for us? What will others think of me, Pastor Jared, if I get more likes on my social media, if more followers, then I'll do it? That's foolish, foolish. They'll also ask the question, well, is it okay? The Bible isn't really clear about this, so morally, it must be okay. But you know who asks that question? The foolish person. The person with a solid foundation, here's the question that they ask is, is it wise? And that is a question of direction. Because all of us, every decision we make is setting the course, setting the direction of our life. And what is the goal of our life? At a very high level, let me tell you, the goal of our life is that with each passing decade, we are to look more and more like the character of Jesus. That you aren't as angry that you aren't as selfish, that you're more sweeter than you've ever been toward others, that you're more generous. Why? Because when we build on a solid foundation, it helps us weather any storm that comes into our life. Amen. How many of you know if you've ever met a person and terrible things have happened to them? And it's legitimate, like terrible, awful things. But because of those terrible things, that person now is just angry, cold and bitter and mad at everybody. Y'all know that person? But I also know people where those same terrible things have happened to them. And that person is full of joy and kindness and they're generous and they're loving. What's the difference? It's the foundation the foundation on which they've built their life upon. And that's my question as we close out this morning. What are you building your life upon? On a solid foundation or on a sandy foundation? The wise man or the foolish man? As we land, I wanna lead you with some hope. Because oftentimes when we come to a passage of scripture like this or even a sermon like this, I admit it can be pretty heavy. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm preaching a sermon very similar to this, and people were coming up at the end, and they had tears in their eyes, and they're like, Pastor Jared, I just wish that 10, 15, 20, even 40 years ago, I would have heard a sermon like this. It would have saved me from, from so many issues in my life. If I just would have known, things could have been different. And I want everybody to look at me, all eyes, every location that no matter who you are and no matter what you've ever done or even what's been done to you, that there is a God in heaven who loves you 
He has a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And it is not too late to begin to build wisely right now. If there is still air in your lungs, God is not done with you. One of the great things about the Word of God is that from cover to cover, it is littered with people who've made mistake after mistake after mistake, and God in his graciousness still used them to accomplish amazing things. I think oftentimes we make a mistake and we just self-select out. And that is not of God, by the way. God can take your pain, he can take your trauma, he can redeem it, and he can use it, and he can use you to be a blessing to other people. You might be in the room and you would say, man, there's so many things of my past, Pastor Jared, and it's revealing a sandy foundation. Maybe you would say, Jared, I, I have a major problem with lying. And all of the lying in my life, it's, it's created a sandy foundation. Well, guess what? Abraham was a liar too. And it's not too late today to build, to build a solid foundation. You might say, Jared, oh my goodness. I thought I was over this, but these waves of depression, they come crashing in all the time, and these depression, all this anxiety, it's revealing a sandy foundation. Well, guess what? Elijah struggled with depression too. And it's not too late to begin to build a solid foundation. You might say, Pastor Jared, I've had an affair. And it's revealed a sandy foundation. Relationships with my wife or my husband and my kids, they're not anywhere where I want them to be. Well, guess what? David had an affair too. And it's not too late to begin to build a solid foundation. You might be here today and you might say, Jared, I am so distracted with everything going on in my life. I'm so overwhelmed. And all of the distraction, everything that I have going on, it's revealing a sandy foundation. Martha was distracted. She had so many things competing for her attention. And I'm telling you, it's not too late to begin to build on a solid foundation. You might say, Jared, I'm a cheat. I steal all the time. Zacchaeus was a cheat and a stealer, and it's not too late to begin to build on a solid foundation. And you might say, Jared, I just make mistake after mistake after mistake. This addiction that I thought that I broke free from, it has a crazy way of wiggling itself back into my life, and it's revealing a sandy foundation. And let me tell you, Peter, the apostle Peter, who Jesus looked at and said, upon you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm telling you, it's not too late. Today, you can build a solid foundation. So let me tell you one more time, Waters Church, that no matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you, there's a God in heaven today who loves you. He has a great plan and a purpose for your life, and it's not too late to build on a solid foundation. Out. Today's the day.